don't be afraid to fail. My first business when I was 21 years old went bankrupt after the first 18 months. And I learned more in the 18 months of failing at that business than my entire 10 years of my career. for tapping on this episode this is your host khushi khare and you are listening to the women's stories the only indian podcast where i bring extraordinary stories of unconventional business women she says that she brand people but not businesses amelia sodal is the most beloved b2b marketing expert on linkedin with over 70000 massive followers one day from a small corner of a bedroom she finally decided to start her own personal branding agency now she is the founder and ceo of a personal branding agency named cloud you may check out her linkedin profile from the description to know more about her because i don't want to waste much of your time without any further delay let us get to hear the real side of b2b and linkedin marketing So firstly, I would like you to break three major myths around LinkedIn marketing. Okay, so three major myths around LinkedIn marketing. I think if we bring it back a little bit to personal branding generally, I think one of the biggest myths about um, building out your personal brand on LinkedIn is that it's an ego-driven activity. People think that by putting content out there, it's some way kind of them showing off or them bragging or like, you know, being being um, arrogant or whatever, but actually it's the total opposite. You have so much value that you can add to the world and value that you're adding one-on-one already to conversations that you have and customers that you speak to and, you know, the interactions that you have every single day. So all you're simply doing with kind of marketing yourself or personal branding yourself on LinkedIn is sharing that information, but at scale, you're building those relationships out with scale. So number one myth busting is it's not an ego-driven activity. Absolutely. Um, The second thing is that I think people think LinkedIn is a professional, quote unquote, professional networking site. And therefore, it's only for recruiters or if you're trying to find a job, it's like basically like a giant CV. And actually, the reality is it's a social media networking platform, right? People are there to build relationships, to form, um, you know, alliances, to make sales, to buy things, to sell. Like it's, it's this incredible mix of people who are interested in having very interesting discussions with one another without the kind of rubbish that happens on other platforms if you know kind of I don't know crap going out and all that kind of stuff so LinkedIn is definitely a social media network and I love to look at it as if, it, if you were going to like a conference so imagine if you were going to a conference and you got to network with all your ideal customers all your ideal audience all the people that you want to form relationships with that's what LinkedIn is and that's why I also kind of bring it back to my point about personal branding it's why people are able to build such amazing personal brands on LinkedIn because nobody does this no one sees LinkedIn is this incredible social network. They see it as a so a, a professional networking site. So 
people are really missing the trick when it comes to pushing themselves out online and, and forming those relationships with people and doing it at scale, which I don't think you can do on many other um, platforms. And finally, I think that people probably a myth with LinkedIn is people think that um, you, you have to be quote unquote professional, like everything has to be very corporate and very um, uh, unpersonal. The reality is actually the opposite. People want to engage with people they want to have conversations with people they want to see your human side they want to really know what your thoughts and feelings are not what you think you should be saying so those would be my kind of three myths about um personal branding on linkedin which is total the actual truth is the total opposite yeah that was an absolute punt to all the myths so continuing to the above question three mistakes that no one should commit on linkedin number one not being yourself right I think people really, when it comes, it's not just LinkedIn, it's on social media generally. When someone comes down, they sit with their phone, they go, right, I'm going to write something out today. I'm going to write a tweet. I'm going to write a post. Something happens internally where what you would normally say to someone, when you type it, completely changes. Like it becomes really vanilla. It becomes really corporate. It becomes, we all speak as if we were like the queen all of a sudden because we're (laughs) writing it. And actually the reality is the more personal you can be, the more you know human you can be and actually a top tip for everyone would be like record what you want to post into your phone dictate it so speak into your phone it will write how you speak because people read your content as if it was spoken to them so if you're writing stuff out it never translates as well as when you speak it out so big top tip would be to um, speak out your your thoughts and your feelings and then use that as opposed as opposed to try and write it out yourself because the reality is it's never going to come out very well. Um, another thing would be um, try lots of different types of content. Um, people kind of tend to just stick to text posts, which is great. But like try his video, try graphics, try, you know, um, polls, try, you know, all just try and be as diverse as humanly possible to figure out what works best for you. Um, and then the final thing that I would say is be consistent. Like people really, really undervalue the consistency of doing anything anything in life right it's not just building a personal brand on LinkedIn people go oh I really want to do this thing I really want to get sexy body I really want to get ripped abs and whatever and like oh what how's the quickest way I can get that right I'm going to go and do that seven minute abs every day for a week I'm going to be so fit and so sexy the reality is you're not going to get fit and sexy in seven days you're going to have to go and put in the hard work day in day out for probably months and then for the rest of your life because you want to keep that hot sexy body and it's exactly the same with anything else including social media including LinkedIn if you want to build a strong personal brand if you want to have you know 70,000 followers and 100% inbound business and you know generating all this money from it you have to show up every single day Rome wasn't built a day you won't get followers overnight but I promise you the more you do it the more that compounds it's like compounding interest right you put money into an account after a year, you only get like a couple of quid back. But if you do that every single year, the end result is you'll have millions and millions of dollars at the end of it. Yeah, I think the third point, consistency was uh, so, you know, thought provoking. People really, people, I hate this idea. People say, oh, is it quality or, or quantity? Mm-hmm. And I say both. Why is it, why does it have to be one or the other? You have to have quality content, but you also have to share a lot of it in order to get any results, right? So the easiest way of getting around that for me anyway, is when I go and engage with other people's stuff, which I recommend everyone does as much as humanly possible, is I will write a comment. And if I get a couple of likes on that comment or some people, some people like it or they reply to it, I then turn that comment into a post. So what you're doing then is you're creating this amazing kind of 
self-perpetuating flywheel of like you're never having to actually create anything because it's just comments that you're leaving on other people's stuff and then you turn those so my post today was a comment I left on someone's post like three days ago yes, here is a scenario this would be a scenario based question so how should a serious b2b uh, SaaS based company maybe in edutech or fintech industry for millennials approach marketing strategy when brands are expected to behave as a human God, that's a very big question. Um, how should they approach their marketing strategy? Well, first of all, it really depends on who their audience is, right? Like you said millennials, but like, are they, like where? Like what industry are they in? I think broadly speaking, before anyone attacks any kind of marketing strategy of any kind, whether it's a personal brand or a company brand, mm-hmm. you have to first of all understand what you want to be known for. Like, what are you, what are you going for? Are you are you going to be the disruptor in the space or are you the like slow and steady business that can always be relied on? Like, do you want to be known as the leader or do you want to be known as the underdog? Like, what, what do you want to be known for as a business? Cause that has to form the foundation of every single thing that you do. Right. And then kind of the added layer to that is where is your audience? Where, where are they currently? Because I can preach all day long about LinkedIn and how great it is, but the reality is not everyone's audience is on LinkedIn. If you're in fintech, you might find that your audience is on Twitter. If you're in edtech, you might find the audience is actually on Instagram or on TikTok. So you need to understand where your audience is and go to that platform. Don't try it. It's like I always say to people, it's like having um, a really like planning a really amazing party at your house at the same day as like the most popular person in town is having their party at their house. Like it's much easier to go to the party that's already happening at the really popular person's house than it is trying to get people to come to your party on the same day. So go and figure out where your audience is as well. Like it's super, super, super important. Um, And then in terms of like targeting millennials, again, like millennials aren't just like the same with Gen Z, same with boomers, whatever. You can't just go, right. That's how you market to millennials because it, it like, Human beings are very different. We're very unpredictable. We're very unique. You've got to understand, like, on a very unscalable level, like, why do people buy from you? Why would they want to buy from you? Are they aware of your brand? Are they aware of their problem? Are they aware of the products available to them or the the solutions available to them? Or are they completely unaware totally? So do you need to educate them? So understanding which bucket um, you want to allocate. Re- By the way, you have to cover all four of those buckets. You can't just like attack the people that know about your brand. You have to attack the people that don't know, don't even know they have a problem, don't even know that solutions exist. You have to market to every single person in the life cycle of that of that um, customer journey. So it doesn't matter whether they're a millennial, whether they are Gen Z, or whether they're 100 years old. You're still going to market to them in that way in the platforms that they're already on. So go where people are. Be clear on what you want to be known for. Be very, very clear on how you can communicate why people should buy from you. So benefits, not features, like painkillers, not, you know, the the benefits of the, of the, of take, sorry, sell the benefits of the painkiller, i.e. your product, rather than what the ingredients are in that, that painkiller. And just be really, really clear on where your audience is and go there. Yeah, that was an extremely insightful answer. Oh, yeah, okay. I think you need to be very clear about who your audience is. I think like just saying like millennials, that's not an audience, that's a generation, right? So who are they? Like, it's, it's not about, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of customer personas, right? Because personally, your, your customer is so much more than a persona. They're not like the average customer that you have might be similar to this marketing persona that you have in your head. But the reality is the majority of them aren't. They will have different reasons for not using you, different reasons for using you, different reasons for not. So 
going doing those unscalable things like go and speaking to customers that have been with you for a while go and speak to customers who didn't want to work with you go and speak to customers who've just joined you go and have those very intimate literally one-on-one conversations will really give you a lot of insight to how you should be marketing to people better yeah got it got it uh, so could you please drop out three unique ways to use a linkedin page for uh, the same b2b saas company Okay, so LinkedIn page. Do you mean company page or personal yeah, page? Company page. Company page. Okay, first and foremost, like people need to treat their company page like they would their personal brand. It has to have personality, it has to be consistent, like valuable content, and it has to be there have to be a reason for people to come to your platform, right? They have they it has to be a, you have to be giving them something to want to be there. So I always say to people like there's four different types of content that you should be sharing depending on whether it's appropriate. some of them are appropriate for for some company some are sorry to interrupt you in between but it will be very kind of you if you could take just a second to subscribe or follow the women stories from whichever platform you are listening the episode now but there are four different types one enraging content so enraging content is things that make people triggered provoked not necessarily controversial you could be really like advocating for women's rights but that's enraging to people because as a woman i feel like yeah i really want to get behind that so that would be enraging um the next one would be um informing so you're giving them value you're giving them edu- you're educating them on something like here are the top 5 tips to do this or the top 5 tips to do that you know ever wanted to do this before here's how you can do it for free like that kind of, everything that you know as a business you give away your information for free that's informing The next one is inspiring. So what inspiring stories can you tell? Has someone just been promoted in your business? Was there a customer that overcame a really big challenge because of your product? Like tell those inspirational stories. And then the final one is amuse. So how can you use humor to get your message across and attract people to want to follow you and form that relationship with you? You have to have to have to make sure that your company page really reflects a personality, a tone of voice that's very specific to who you are. um like our tone of voice at cloud is very sassy very cheeky like we don't mind taking the mick out of people like we're very um personal because we're a personal branding agency but that but that's not us as a team member that's our brand our company brand has that personality and i think it's really really important that you get that right first um the second thing is don't sleep on it like don't sleep on your company brand people want to follow it right you have to just give them a reason to i think people really grossly underestimate the power of company brands and company pages on linkedin I have a friend that's grown his company page the marketing millennials from 0 to over 100,000 followers in like 5 months and like he goes viral on every single company page post he does. So you just have to find who your people are and give them what they want. Um and then the third thing is make sure that you're trying to push people off LinkedIn and off that company page to your website because you don't own the followers on your company page but you do own customers that come and fill in a form. So give them a reason to come to your website to give you their details. like gated white papers aren't enough anymore you have to give them like a really really good reason to give you their information so it might be that you send out an email once a week that's free like free valuable information it might be you know that you're you to give them a free demo of your product or like whatever it is it has to be enough it has to be good enough that they pay for it in order for them to give you their details so those are my three things and then fourth thing bonus tip is please make sure that your team are building their personal brands because ultimately people are not going to find out about your business on LinkedIn unless your team are posting content because LinkedIn ranks members content above company updates and sponsored ads so they will always 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 when you scroll through your feed you will always see people's content not company content so getting your team to share content that either you've created or that you've empowered them to create themselves is a really 
really important part of getting people to your page and then off to a goal conversion on your website. Your personal brands, the personal brands within your company, your employees' personal brands is the top of the funnel. So you have to make sure that that's really good. Yeah, I was just about to ask uh, the uh, question with regards to the bonus tip and you answered all the questions. Is there any essential toolkit to manage a LinkedIn page? What should an voice uh, should know about handling a LinkedIn page? Yeah, so LinkedIn makes it really difficult to get very decent analytics, which is annoying. So on a personal brand, so a personal page, I use Shield, um, which is a, an analytics platform, which is fantastic. Like the analytics that you get are, are brilliant. I highly recommend anyone. Um, Shieldapp.ai, it's called. Um, so if you're serious about personal branding, go and sign up for that. Um, for LinkedIn, like literally all of our toolkit is behind the scenes. So it's like in Canva, in Adobe, in um, content drip veemly is another one where you can go and create video content basically film or a go is another one um you know go and reuse your tiktoks on your linkedin platform go and use your instagram posts on your linkedin platform go and screenshot your tweets and put them on linkedin like repurpose as much content as you possibly can there is no point in doubling up on stuff like just and also a really good tip for anyone listening to this the reason why companies like mine reuse and repurpose is not just because we want to save time. That's a very big bonus. But if we're resharing our TikToks on LinkedIn, it's because we want people to go and follow us on LinkedIn from uh, follow us on TikTok from LinkedIn. If we share screenshots of my tweets on my company page, it's because I want people to go and follow me on Twitter. So cross pollinating your content across different platforms is really, really a great way to grow your followings on other platforms too. Yeah, and that that's so much of information. I'm trying to keep my head as much. Uh, open as I can it feels like good to be viral uh, but it of course takes years of efforts to make that one post viral so what is your journey of creating that one post viral and what was the back-end work that you put uh, maybe it could be experience a uh, job experience or anything I would love to know your story I think the thing is everyone wants to go viral what the reality is viral doesn't pay your bills viral doesn't pay for your team viral doesn't you know, yes, it's great. It gives you a massive dopamine hit and you're like, oh, these people like my content. Great. But like the reality is it's not paying you. Okay. It gives you reach, which is great because that's top of funnel. It gives you eyeballs on your page and your brand, but it doesn't actually pay your bills. So if anyone's going into this wanting to go viral, you're not going to go viral. Like that, like that's just how it goes, right? The nature of viral content is that it's viral. It's uncontrollable, unpredictable. You have no idea what, whether or not it's going to happen. But that you can absolutely increase your chances of going viral by just posting a lot and not being vanilla and sharing your true feelings about stuff and not being afraid to stand behind strong opinions. So I've had, you know, a couple of million views on one post. I've had one post that had two million views. Like that's a lot of eyeballs on my content. But that I didn't go into those posts thinking, oh, this is going to go viral. I wrote it because I felt really strongly about that thing. And I just shared it. And of course, it took off because other people agreed or disagreed. So I don't think you can go viral by trying to go viral. You can just be consistent and be open and be honest and be true to who you are. And eventually something will click. Yeah, that was the deep answer. Every, the common denominator I have with every single viral post we've written and created for, for clients, as well as mine and my team's content, the common denominator is every single one of those posts was not thought out. It was just like, boom, here's my opinion, boom. Like there was no filter, no nothing. And none of us thought those, those particular posts would go viral. We were just sharing what our client wanted us to share or what we thought was appropriate. And so often when you try and go viral, you don't. 
but when you do not even thinking about it is when you do to ensure hiring the best of best for cloud and keeping them pumped up for the work um how do i ensure hiring the best of the best so we we're a very small team we're really lean um but i think one of the kind of benefits of building out my personal brand but also my team's individual personal brands is that we attract really great applications so number one the best part about having a, a strong personal brand on linkedin is the applications we get are really really good to start with so that's great um because people want to work for us they see our content they send us applications even when we're not hiring so that's really really good um and then the second thing is we make sure our hiring process is really really um beneficial to both sides of the party it's not just beneficial for us it's beneficial for the candidate too so the first stage that we do is a telephone interview it's very casual and then the next stage we do which is a, a face to face is the first 30 minutes of that call they will present a task that we've given them to do so if you're a graphic designer we might ask you to create a flipbook for us if you're a copywriter we might ask you to write a couple of posts for us based on a brief um so the first 30 minutes of that um conversation we go through your task the second um 30 minutes of that face to face interview we want you to interview us as your next employer because then that kind of flips the role around of like normally it's us asking you questions now it's your turn to ask us questions and why that's important is number one you get to know everything about the business that you want to ask but number two we get to learn about you how curious are you how how creative are you do you ask the same questions everyone asks or do you ask the more unique things that are actually a little bit more challenging and you're going to make us better you're going to innovate a little bit more so we like what people to ask questions because it gives us an insight into who they are and then it helps us hire the best people um in terms of like how i keep them pumped up is i don't know we just have like a really we have a very high energy um positive very challenging environment so like every single one of us if something goes wrong we'll call everyone out on it and that that goes for me too my team will say hey you messed that up why did you mess that up and we have this really lovely kind of definitely empathetic like we care deeply about each other but we're absolutely not afraid to challenge each other on stuff when we mess up or we don't do our best work and i think that's a really good environment to build Mm-hmm. Could you please recall that moment of building the entire business plan for cloud from your bedroom? What was the feeling like, and when you were all ready to make it public? Um, so I didn't have a business plan. <laughs> I literally, like, I quit my job on the Friday. I set the business up in the middle, in the middle of the pandemic. Right, so this is literally in the middle of the global pandemic. I had a safe job. a great paycheck but i decided to quit because i knew within me that i just didn't want to work for i was unemployable i didn't want to work for anyone else anymore so i quit my job on the friday i set cloud up the next week and we had our first client i say we i was just me back then i had my first client that tuesday had my second client that thursday and i had two clients on retainers like the week after so i literally had no backup plan no safety net no real plan or what i wanted to do all i wanted to do was just pay my bills mm-hmm. that's it i just wanted to pay my bills doing something i loved and so the growth of cloud has happened super organically because i never went into this thinking i was going to be like world dominating and like try and like build this business but we've ended up where one year later and we've we're a team of six now in one year from from launching so we've done pretty well um so yeah i just think I think a lot of like look I'm not going to say don't do a business plan because like don't, you know it's probably not a great thing to like launch a business plan a business business plan however I do think people spend a lot of time planning that they don't actually take any action so don't um don't plan stuff so much that it stops you from actually doing the thing that you want to do because ultimately we can all make business plans doesn't mean it's going to build a business 
Yeah, that that's so powerful. That's so powerful. So, how were your initial months of managing cloud independent independently when we first launched? the The hardest thing was like the hard that actually most businesses struggle to find clients, right? That's normally the <laughs> hardest thing. I had the exact opposite problem. I had too much, too many clients because. As soon as I said to the world that we were going to be launching this personal branding agency, there were so many people already in my network who wanted to work with me. So we had a wait list by month two. Um, so that was never a problem. But was, what was a problem was like for me letting go and delegating and hiring people and um, being okay with someone else looking after clients, even though my name was above the door and like just 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 general things. Anyone's an entrepreneur can relate. It's really hard to let go because your business is your baby. But ultimately, like for you to grow any kind of success on any level you have to let go. So the biggest challenge for me was like hiring people and like giving work to them and like just trusting that they would do it. And I still struggle with that a little bit, but that's more because I'm a bit crazy than because they're not great at their job because my team are amazing. Yeah, yeah, I can feel that. And lastly, what message would you like to give to young potential entrepreneurs through this platform who are stuck in a phase? Young entrepreneurs, um, Number one is don't be afraid to fail. My first business when I was 21 years old went bankrupt after the first 18 months. And I learned more in the 18 months of failing at that business than my entire 10 years of my career. So don't be afraid of failure. I think there's some like crazy statistic that says that every single billionaire, millionaire, like, you know, worldwide who's self-made 99% of them have all had at least one failed business in their background. So don't be afraid of failure. I don't believe failure is part or opposite of success. It's part of it. It's just one thing you have to push through. And let's be honest, we all have multiple failures every day. Every day something happens. So exposing yourself to that and being okay with things going wrong, like you fix them, you make sure they're good, but just being okay that uh, that things are going to go wrong, I think is really important. Um, the second thing would be remember that done is better than perfect, right? Like going back to my business plan, right? Getting the business launched out and customers in the door was way more important than making a perfect <laughs> business plan. So done, getting something done is always better than making it perfect because perfect doesn't exist and perfect can't pay your bills. Um, and then the final thing would be just like, just do it. Like, what are you waiting for? The world is not going to wait for you. It's going to keep spinning. So if you don't do it now, if you don't start your business now, if you don't launch that side hustle now, then when? Because you can wait your whole life telling people what you want to do doesn't mean you're actually going to do it. So 100% just dive in and figure it out as you're flying down the hill. Yeah, it was an empowering wrap up to this episode and it was beautiful talking to you. I think this is one of the episodes that I would be re-listening. Amazing. No, it was perfect. Thank you so much for having me. And sending you loads of positive vibes from the side. You too. Same back. <laughs> Love it. Thank yeah. you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. If you like this episode, don't forget to share it with your friends and family. Do tag me on your social media handles. Up till then, take care of yourselves and keep spreading love. I'll talk to you soon.